0: If you're feeling God call you to pivot life as you know it by leaving your career plans to start an online business and you're terrified of how you'd ever actually pull that off, then you're a mama with a calling and this is the podcast for you. Here's where we'll talk about everything from choosing the right business and running it as a mom to biblical inspiration and motivation to conquer your fears. Because even though it's causing you some anxiety, you're also excited because you know God's calling you to it. And that means you're headed to a life with more joy, fulfillment and purpose like you've always wanted. Hi, I'm Alexia Carrillo, fellow Mama with the Calling, and I'm passionate about helping other moms like you step into their calling and not stay stuck in their career for fear of going against the grain. I believe it's okay to pivot and follow God's calling on your life without the guilt or shame for not doing what the world says you should do. This is the Mama with the Calling podcast where we'll figure out how you can actually make this wild calling on your life become a reality. Let's grab some coffee and dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mama with a Calling podcast. So on today's episode, I am bringing you a special guest, Abby Ashley of the Virtual Savvy, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today because she is going to be talking about how to start your own virtual assistant business. If you're not really sure how you can make money online, or maybe the whole starting a blog and selling courses and running that kind of business just doesn't quite appeal to you, then you're definitely going to want to listen to what Abby has to say about being a virtual assistant. Um, She'll explain it more in the podcast episode, but it is definitely a viable option as you'll hear from her story. Even if you're not interested in becoming a VA, we talk a lot in this episode about her decision to start her own business, overcoming fear along the way, how she does that, and then some money uh, mindset issues, which I know know, a lot of you have told me about and I know I hear about it all the time. um, And I've experienced it myself where there's this fear around charging for our services or products and making money online. So a little bit more about Abby, she helps aspiring virtual assistants launch and grow their own at home business from scratch. Abby started her own virtual assistant business in 2016, and was able to replace her full time income working part time, flexible hours. That's amazing. In 2016, she launched the virtual savvy and created An online training program to teach others how to do the same. She has since gone on to grow a multi seven figure business. The demand for remote work continues to rise, and it is her mission to help others start their own VA businesses. So I'm so glad that Abby is on the show today. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And without further ado, let's get into the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. Um, Thank you for being on this podcast and coming to talk to us today about. Being a virtual assistant and how you went from being a stay-at-home mom or wanting to be to starting your business. So I'd love to hear your story on how that all got started and where that, how that led you to where you are today.
1: For sure, for sure. Well, no, I'm super excited to be here and to talk about that journey because it's been, uh, it's been quite a journey for sure. So, um, so essentially, I, my husband and I, we. Um, met in Northern Virginia. We got um, we were married in 2012, and where we expected our first daughter in 2013. So we um, she was due on our one year anniversary, and during that year, my husband actually quit his job to do an unpaid internship with our church, and so um, you know we were making just my income, and that year was absolutely incredible because, um, you know, we had to rely completely on God for our finances. I mean, it was, it was insane. And, um, just a little bit after that first year I had had, I'd had my daughter and, um, my son was on the way. Actually, I had two kids like back to back. So I'm pregnant with my second kid right away. And, um, you know, I, I had actually, my husband had gone back to work after that unpaid internship. And now I was at home. We kind of switched, uh, roles to where I wasn't making any money and he was working still really struggling financially, but just, you know, bit by bit being (laughs) provided for, for sure. And, um, it was during that time that I thought, you know, I really want to contribute something financially. Um, I was honestly, a little bit bored too. I had like dreamt my whole life of being a stay-at-home mom. And then I like did it for a few months or, you know, well, I guess it was a little bit more like a year. And I was like, Oh, I think I need something else too, to like kind of put my energy into and my creativity into. And, um, and so a friend suggested that I look into being a virtual assistant. And so I didn't even know what that was. Honestly, I had never heard of the word virtual assistant of the, of that career path, but I looked it up, Googled everything I could on the subject and literally started calling myself a virtual assistant the next day, um, went to some local networking meetings, met, some local entrepreneurs. I lived in the DC, you know, uh, Northern Virginia, DC area at the time, and really just explained that as a virtual assistant, I could help them with anything administrative that, uh, you know, essentially that a online like secretary would do. So I could help you out with technical tasks or marketing tasks or admin tasks like blogging or sending in voices, or, you know, I had a small list of things I even knew how to do online. Um, some of them, which I had just YouTube literally the the day earlier. And so it was incredible because what small business owners heard, man, I I can have somebody help me with my business. It, it really just took off. And so I got a few clients, um, and kept building that, uh, building that client base to the point where I was able to hire subcontractors for my business and really have other moms who I had met, um, mostly in Bible college. I had a bunch of my friends come and just kind of join me in the business as subcontractors. And so I grew this kind of mini agency from my basement apartment in Northern Virginia. um, and did that, you know, all the way through, uh, 2016. And, uh, and I still did that even in 2016, but in 2016, I also launched an online course to teach other people how to become virtual assistants, since that was something that, um, I had learned how to do. And, uh, so I started an online training program to teach other people how to do that as well.
0: I love that. And what I, what I hear too, is that it feels like, your calling as it were at the time was to be with your kids to be home with your kids more than anything and so just finding a way to make money was what was driving you really to just figure this out because i think that a lot of times so a little bit about like i have a phd and i was in like the you know science world yeah and leaving that to be home with my son felt like crazy um right (laughs) so i actually i sold on ebay to try to, to make that happen to be able to come home but I think a lot of times a lot of women are stuck, like they're feeling like they want to be with their kids. They feel like it's impossible. So mm-hmm. I think it's great to, to show that sometimes your calling may not be necessarily to have, you may not know what the business is yet. It may just be to be with your kids Yeah, and finding a way to make money online, whether it's selling on eBay, whether it's doing a VA business, um, any of that is is all really, really important.
1: Yeah, we are, you know, uh, women are definitely, um, what's the best word? (laughs) I keep coming up with the word scrappy, but like, we'll figure it out. Like we will figure out how to do things. And so I think that was definitely, um, you know, I, I was like, okay, I I know I want to make money from home, um, but I do, I want to, at that season, I also, I I really wanted to be home with my kids full time. And I think that's another thing is that recognizing seasons in our life, like, um, because there was definitely some mom guilt that came by like kind of starting, you know, like I'm doing something and my kids are playing, but I'm over here on the computer. Like, is that okay? And I eventually had somebody come in and like, help me one day a week. And then, um, you know, eventually actually, when we ended up moving to Missouri, my kids went into daycare, even like full-time because the business had grown so much. And it was like, but it was right in that season. And I think that, um, that's, that's the biggest thing too, is just what season am I in right now? And really asking the Lord, like, what, um, what do you have for me in this season? And just being faithful to that, because I, I really did. Uh, when I first started my business, it was all about being at home. And then, um, you know, over time that shifted a little bit and that was okay too.
0: I think that's really important. And I think I was just talking to another friend about this, about the, almost like the guilt, like the guilt, the mom guilt that comes Mm -hmm. up when we are working from home and our kids are doing something else. Sometimes you know, we have this impression, I know I did when I, coming out of the corporate world, I was just like, I'm going to come home and Pinterest has told me that my son's going to sit here and play Play Play-Doh and I'm going to (laughs) work all day and he's going to independently play. And I only have one. So he, yeah, that, that did not happen. Um, But there's there's like the flip side of that, which is, like you said, when you, when you want, sometimes we have guilt about not wanting to just play with our kids all day and Mm. not just be a stay at home mom. And it's like, you were being driven to do something else. Did you have any guilt or any, how did you overcome that when it came to putting them in daycare? When I tried to put my son in daycare, I felt like the worst person ever, (laughs) not because it's bad, but because I was at home, I felt like I'm at home. He should be at home.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. Cause I've been through all of those emotions for sure. And, um, I mean, honestly, the, the first time I put my kid in daycare, it didn't work. It was like not the right timing. And it was something that I was trying to push and it just didn't, it didn't work. And I, I ended up pulling them out. I was like, nope, nope. It's not time. Like, this is not, this isn't right. And, um, but eventually like it, it was right. And, uh, I think, I think for me, I, I, I finally came to realize that there was nothing wrong with having other people in my kids' life who loved them and cared about them and and wanted good things for them, and so you know when we first like that that experience of putting them in daycare, they started out at an in-home daycare, and I think that was really good because it was one individual and we loved her. She had five kids there, and it was just like okay, like. It's okay for somebody to lo- somebody else to love my kids too like I don't have to be the only person that's developing them and loving them and like you know and I think that you think back to where you know, um, like it literally used to take a village to, to raise children and people would, you know, moms would help different moms and everybody had a job and it was like a whole society's job to help raise a child. And I think that now we just think like, oh, it has to be a hundred percent all me all the time. And it's like, no, like it's okay if my kids go to grandma's sometime because grandma loves them or goes to this, whatever, or has a really amazing teacher at daycare that, that I I know like that I trust. And I think that was big for me too, is making sure that I really did feel good about where they were going. And that was the problem with the first place that I sent them was like, I sent them there and it just felt very much like I'm just sending them to just be with a bunch of kids. And these, the teachers didn't really seem like they cared. And everywhere else I chose beyond that, it was like, no, like these people care about my kids. And that is okay that somebody else is caring about my kids. Um, Because like, more love is better than less love, you know, like more people loving them. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I thought that that was, uh, that, that was transformational for me for sure. Um, yeah, but again, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer for when it comes to that. I think that everybody kind of has to make their own, um, their own choice and pray about it and just know like what is right for you and for your kids and for all of that. And, um, you know, I know amazing kids who had, working moms or, you know, amazing adults who their moms worked their entire childhood and, um, like, like went to a corporate job. I know amazing people who their kid, their parents were, you know, a stay at home mom or stay at home dad. And so I don't think that, I think it's just, you have to figure out what really is going to work for you. And that's, you know, I loved virtual assistants because it gave me that flexibility to kind of have my toe in both worlds. Like I could be, business working and also be mom. And even still like my kids are, you know, uh, this next year, they'll be going into kindergarten and second grade. And it's like, um, you know, even though they'll be in school, like when there's a field trip, I can be there, you know, like if there's a sick day, I'm the one that can take care of them or whatever it may be. And I love that. I love like, I think for me, like having options, I love not having, having to be tied to a job or not having to be tied to asking a boss for everything. I'm like, Nope, I'm my own boss. I'm taking off today. Bye. (laughs) And that's it. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I love that. And I think that that's one of the big reasons a lot of women, you know, want to be home is to just have that freedom. Like a lot of times, I think the women in my audience, a lot of them don't, just want to just want to be stay-at-home moms. They want to contribute. They have a meaningful career and they're wanting to do something meaningful that feels meaningful to them and still contribute financially. And like you said, having the freedom to be like, I'm going on a field trip or I'm, you know, going to my kids' play or whatever. And there's not this stress from the job. You had different stressors being your own boss. But it's yeah, it's just it allows this, this different freedom, and flexibility to be both of those things and all of those things. And one of the things I'm hearing, it almost sounds like, so I want to ask, and I don't know if this is how it really played out. It sounds like you had no fear. You're like, I'm going to be a VA and I'm (laughs) going to go to this networking event and I'm just going to do it. Did you have, is that how you approached it or were you like, I don't, you know, what were any fears that you had along the way that you had to overcome to even get started and to allow yourself to grow? Cause that's a big
1: one too. For sure. So I'm uh, are you familiar with Enneagram at all? <laughs> I'm an Enneagram seven. Okay. And so I just kind of jump into things. <laughs> like I am definitely more of the like, you know, we'll, we'll think about, I don't want to think about the negative parts of fear. Let's just think of all the great things that could happen. Right. Which is, you know, been a bit of it at some points and then not so much at others, I've jumped into some things that didn't end up so well because of it. So I think that initially, um, initially I didn't necessarily have the fear. And I think some of that is, is based off of personality. Some of it's based off of faith. Um, If I'm being honest, probably a little bit more personality than faith because sometimes God's like, no, you should not have jumped into that so quickly. That was just you. Um, But Yeah. So for, for me, I think usually the fears kind of creep up like behind me. Like I don't, the fears that I have, usually I don't stare at them in the face. They kind of creep in the back of my head and then they'll like come all at me at once. And so that's um, I've had that at multiple times uh, throughout my journey, which is like, That's why I have to, as an Enneagram seven or as somebody who doesn't always process my fears very well, I have to be really good about like having my alone time with the Lord journaling. Like that's huge for me because I don't actually realize my fears until I write them out. And so they'll just be in the back of my head. And so that would happen. And the biggest things for me, it wasn't as much, um, failure as, I like, I'm a huge people pleaser. So it's like, what if somebody doesn't like this? Like, I think that, um, usually our fears fall into either a category of like failure or, um, or, or inadequacy. Like, I think that those are two, um, of the main fears, at least with like me and my students. Like, I I feel like those are two of the main things that people either, either I'm going to fail or, or I'm going to, um, be looked at, like, like people aren't going to be pleased with me. And so, uh, for me, it was usually more like the people side of things. Like, oh, if I launch these things and people don't like it or comparing myself, that was huge. That's, that's been something that I'm always even still having to fight is comparing my journey with other people's, um, not getting jealous of other people's like, uh, you know, quick success or a path that they have or their circumstances are different. You know, I think that those are some of the things that um, those, those are how my fears creep up a little bit more than like, oh, I'm not going to do the thing. Cause for me, I just always do the thing. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. Why not? You know, that's just kind of part of my personality, but, um, yeah, it's more, it's more like what's happening in the back of my head throughout that process. So that sounds
0: like a benefit to me. Cause I, um, yeah, cause I think that a lot of. I mean, I hear from a lot of women who, who listen to this podcast and they have a ton of fear that is staring them in the face, that it is mm-hmm. really stopping them. And so I think that even though yours is for, for a different reason, the action is still the same, which is you're feeling really strongly about this. Like, just go for it. Just try it. Um, and, you know, they say in business, like there's nothing that's really a failure, right? It's just a lesson you learned. It's like you learned that either your approach was wrong or they just shouldn't want what you're offering or it's okay and not attaching I mean, it's easier said than done, but not attaching emotions and feelings. It doesn't mean anything about you, um, to all of the things that you try and along mm-hmm. the way. So when it comes to, um, so you have a, a way you teach people how to do this, right. How to start their own VA business. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. I'd love to, well, first, can you explain? Cause I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are like, what's a V like, what's, what is a VA? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've done VA work too. And, um, I was, I didn't quite understand it even when I first started. So um, could you explain that for a second? Like, what does a VA do? I know there's a million things they could do. And like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So I usually refer to virtual assistants as kind of like an umbrella term, just like you would say, you know, I'm a freelancer. Okay. Well, a freelancer can do a hundred different things. And I believe a virtual assistant can do a lot of different things as well. Um, It's kind of a general term. So underneath that, um, I usually say a definition of virtual assistants is any remote assistant that can assist small business owners online or brick and mortar businesses with administrative, creative, or technical services. So what does that mean? So essentially a virtual assistant would sell a some kind of a package, right? You put together your own package, you're, you're your own business. You are an independent contractor, just like a plumber, you know, owns their own business. And they say, Here's when I can come. Here are my rates. Here's my process. Here, I use my own tools. That's essentially what you do, except your tools and your uh, services are not, you know, cleaning out. Toilets, clogged toilets. It is doing your the services that you have uh, laid out that you can do. So some of those services, especially uh, I know a lot of beginning virtual assistants will do things like invoicing or research or uh, you know answering customer service emails. So you think of a small business owner and maybe they are brick and mortar, maybe they're an online business owner, they're a health coach, they're an insurance agent, they're whatever it may be. Well, there's a lot of different things that that take up a lot of their time, that are administrative, creative, marketing tasks, technical tasks that they say, okay, I'm gonna pay you um, you know, thirty dollars an hour, four dollars an hour. I'm going to buy a package where you're going to answer all my emails for this set price every single month, right? And so, essentially, you can design whatever those packages and your services are going to be. But the small business owners are purchasing those packages of hours. And so, what's so incredible is, to the small business owner, they don't have to pay for, you know, an office for you to come into, a computer for you. They're not paying for your social security and health insurance and all the things. They say, hey, I actually only need somebody. 10 hours a week, right? So, I'm going to buy this package of 40 hours from you. So, you get one client to pay you for a package of 40 hours per month, another one for, you know, 20 hours for the month and whatever it may be. And so, most VAs can completely book out, be fully booked with three to four clients, which I think is really incredible um, because it takes a lot of the overwhelm talking about fear, right? Like, oh, where will I get clients? Well, you know, you're starting an Etsy store. And, and I mean, there's so many great ways to make money online. This virtual assistance is obviously my favorite, but, um, I, I think service-based businesses can be really great because with like an e-commerce store or a lot of different kinds of businesses, it's like, oh, I need to sell to make really significant money to replace my income. I need to have lots of different customers. Like I, I need to sell hundreds of this, these bows or these whatever. Right. Um, whereas with virtual assistance, like I don't need hundreds of people to say, yes, I need four people to say yes, you know, I need maybe five people to say yes and to sign up for like a monthly package, which um, I, I, that's like one of my favorite things. So, um, so yeah, that's essentially what a virtual system is, the type of things they can do. Eventually lots of VAs go on to specialize in something. So they'll become a web designer or they will uh, do Pinterest management services, or they will edit podcasts or whatever it may be. Right. Um, they may go on to specialize in a certain tool or industry or service. Um, but generally speaking, it's, you know, um, it's very similar just to freelancing. (laughs) So, yeah. And
0: I wonder, um, two, two questions. So I guess I'll do the first one, which is how do you know, if you're going to be a good VA? Like if a VA is a really good fit for you and your personality, um, people are probably coming from a variety of careers and trying to come home. Like me being a scientist, like I would never have even thought about being a VA. So what, what advice do you have there about how to decide if it's right for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, if you are, um, the, the highest skills that I can say would be the most important to being a virtual assistant is good communication and follow through because you know, you could come in and you could say, you know, I'm more, I'm more right-brained. I like to do organizational tasks and you would be really, really great at some of the tasks that a VA could do. Um, but you may be more creative, right? You may be more of like, you're more artistic or you like to create a visioneer, those like more artistic. And if that's your personality, you could, there could still be some good, VA tasks that you could do. um, And and your niche may look different from somebody who's more analytical, but really the biggest thing is like, can you communicate? Can you follow through? Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. and And that makes sense. And then, you know, do you have any tips for, let's say somebody's, you know, sitting in their job and they're listening to this and they're thinking, are there like some obvious transferable skills? Like, I mean, like you said, there could be like organizational things, different things like that. Is it good when you're starting to be a VA to just kind of throw all your skills up? Like, well, I do, you know, I plan meetings and like all these things, just start listing them. Or is it really better to just pick something you're really like you love about your job and kind of pulling that out and thinking about how that might apply to somebody in the online space?
1: Yeah. So I think it can depend. Like if you are really, like if there's something super specific that you did at your job that you know can be directly related to helping small business owners. So let's say you were a full-time bookkeeper. Well, that's a direct service that you could offer online. That's boom. could be super, super helpful or, you know you built you you built websites like you did back end web development like it's a super transferable skill right um, but let's say you didn't do that like so for me i was an academic advisor for an online university so i didn't have direct transferable skills. I did a little bit of everything. I knew how to navigate computers. (laughs) Like I could do Google docs and I could answer customer service emails and I, I could learn how to do some of the other things, right. That's like, I don't really know how to do this, but I could learn it really, really quickly. And so that's why for me, it was a lot better. And I think for most of us, I generally recommend if you're just starting a VA business to do just packages of hours and a list of the services that you can offer. Because while you sure you can make more money, if you niche down, that's what we say, like the riches are in the niches or whatever. Like, uh, you can, if you eventually specialize in something, I think that your earning potential does expand. So if you can go directly to that step, that's great. But so many of us we don't know, right? Like, we don't know what like our big service would be. We don't know what that specialized industry service would even be. So start out with a bunch of general services. Do a lot of times we just don't know what we don't know. I mean, when I first started out, uh, I would have clients that say, okay, can you do X, Y, Z? And I can say, well, I can do X and Z, but I have no idea how to do Y. And they'll say, well, that's fine. I'll teach you. So I literally just by working with clients, got to learn new skills. And there were things that I learned that I love to do that I didn't even know existed when I first started. So that's why I think starting out just general, offering the services that you know how to offer, um, coming up with a list of them. And there's tons of lists online. I know we have one on our website, like 50 services you can offer as a virtual assistant over at the Virtual Savvy. Um, So you can list out okay, which one of these? And it could be five, 10, 15. It could be just three things. It could be just one thing. That's fine. Um, But really deciding for yourself. So I would say, again, if you have a highly transferable skill that you're like, yes, a small business owner could use this right away. I'm going to go ahead and niche down to this one particular service. Great. But, um, you know, there's nothing wrong. The majority, I say 90% of my students start out with general admin, meaning just a list of a bunch of different random services they can do.
0: Yeah. And what I hear kind of underlying in there is that you don't have to know before you can get started. that It's really like, I'm just willing, like, I'm just willing to use my brain and my energy and your ability to, like you said, learn new software, learn. I mean, most people probably have computer experience. They know how to do that. Even stuff like social media, like they might be great at social media and they could even offer that to small businesses. So I think that's where a lot of people will get stuck is they want to plan and have all of the all their ducks in a mm-hmm. row before even starting, and they may not even need to do that. Um,
1: yeah, hundred <laughs> percent.
0: Yeah. So when you when I think about launching or trying to like, okay, so somebody's decided
1: I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a VA. What do they need to do next? So there's a couple of things that I would probably you know check off the list before you officially announce. Uh, your services right one is deciding what those services are going to be right so what am I going to actually offer um, next is really deciding uh, what is my rate going to be so uh, you could do a package base or just an hourly rate and that really depends on um, the services that you offer and what you're willing to charge you do have to remember you're an independent contractor you are a small business owner so if you say I'm going to charge, an hour for my services. Well, remember, you know, if, if you don't have any expenses and that's pretty much all profit, which means you're going to be paying, I mean, depending on what state you live in, um, considering federal taxes too, probably 30 ish percent, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. So that's brought you down to $9 an hour. And then, you know, do you want to reinvest some of it into your business? So there's, I would definitely consider how much you actually need to make. Many of my VAs start between $20 and $30 an hour, even for general admin services, sometimes up to $40 an hour just for general admin services. And then as they specialize, they increase that hourly rate. So knowing what your rate is going to be. And so you kind of form your little packages, right? Because you want, when you announce this to the world, when you announce this to friends and family, whoever it may be, you want when, if somebody says, oh yes, I'm interested what then? And I would kind of have those few steps planned out, right? We usually recommend you do something called a discovery call. So you say, all right, let's get on a video chat or a phone conversation or meet for coffee. And let's, let's actually chat about what this would look like. Right. I remember when I first started, I had a little folder with everything printed out. I would actually physically meet people at coffee shops. And now I just pretty much do everything, especially COVID world. Uh, Just do everything online. So uh, you know, I would do a Zoom chat as like a discovery call. And And then essentially, we always recommend you have a contract signed, um, which we do have contracts over on our website. That's something that, um, you know, we really, really recommend that you have a good, good contract to protect yourself um, and then a way for your clients to. Actually, pay you. So, an invoicing software of some kind, and there's tons of great ones out there. Um, we recommend uh, Wave Apps all the time, just because it's super simple. Other than a processing fee, it doesn't really take fees. Um, but there's also great tools like Dubsado or HoneyBook, um, and those are really great invoicing tools as well. So, uh, lots of different options. But those those are really the beginning building blocks. Honestly, like. I don't tell people that you have to have a website or that you have to have all these things before you start telling people about your business. Because again, uh, one of our core values at our company is action over perfection. And sometimes you just have to launch before it's perfect. And the more, the earlier you can start telling people about your business, the more time you have to gain momentum, right? So let's say it's going to take you two months to get your first client. Well, um, if you're waiting to all your ducks in a row and your website is perfect and everything perfect. Well, then your two months is going to start months later than it could have been if you just told people from the get go. Right. And so, um, I am, I'm a huge fan of announcing your business, telling friends, family, small business owners that you know already about your business as soon as you possibly can.
0: Yeah. And I think also not having to have the website or feel like you need a website. I mean, your example was, you know, networking events, if those are even, I feel like that's a, there's a
1: few, it depends where you yeah, live, but right. there are still some happening.
0: Well, and, I, and especially with COVID, but I think, um, those are things that didn't even register to my brain. When you, we when you don't come from the world of business. I think that, you know, there are networking events for people in obviously all in different niches, but I think we don't think about business ones or like your chamber of commerce or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are ways that you can get in front of people. And then there are ways online, like you were saying, telling family, friends, if Facebook groups allow it kind of a thing, um, yeah. LinkedIn, like well, there's all these different places to try to so to try to find. It. Yeah. So one of the questions I had, and this is just a conversation that I like to just chat about, um, to see what your, your thoughts are. So I think money mindset is a huge barrier a lot of times yeah. to, to going into the online space. And when you talked about charging, I think it's interesting how a lot of times we come from a job where we were making whatever amount of money per hour, but when we think about actually charging that just for our services online, we all of a sudden are like, whoa, that's, yeah. that's, a, little, that's a little too much. <laughs> so um, what are what are some tips, some advice on how to, because you said they could be anywhere from 20 to 30 or some people even charge 40. And it's like, some people are probably coming from making $50 an hour, $60 oh, yeah. an hour. And then they're going to come online and be like, oh, I guess I'll just charge 20. It's like, how do you help them see that they can charge more? It's okay to charge more. They're worth more, all of those things
1: for sure. Well, I think number one, having a community is really, really important. so having other small business owners that are able to kind of you know kick your tail a little bit and be like, come on, you know you can do this right? And I think that that's huge for sure. Something that I teach is something I call my incremental pricing recipe. And so essentially what I do is I tell people to start at a rate, that they mostly feel comfortable with. Maybe take the number you feel good about and then increase it a little bit, right? Like stretch yourself just a tiny bit, but not crazy, right? Because here's the thing, if you go out and you charge your very, you try to get a client at a rate that you're like, I I feel like this is too much, I feel like this it's going to come across. You're going to, um, you know, you're going to get on your discovery calls. And if somebody is trying to like whittle down your rate, you're going to be like, okay, okay. Yes. I'll charge us. You're my first client. Of course I'll do it. Right. And so go something, go with your first, your very first client, go with something that you feel comfortable with, maybe stretch yourself a little bit. Um, but it's okay to have your first client. Now, I do recommend having your first client be a paying client. That's something that I see so many people do is that I'll just do my first work for free. And let me tell you the free gigs that people get are usually some of the worst gigs. Like it will be, I'm just telling you, it is, I'll give you a great testimonial. Great. You can give me a great testimonial and some money Uh, because I, it's just, that's just my little, like after years of doing this and training people to do this usually free gigs are not worth the time, energy, effort. So, um, that was just a little side note, but, uh, so that incremental pricing recipe is essentially, okay. You know, I don't know, Abby, like $25. Let me just start with, okay. Get your first client at $25. That's fine. As soon as you sign that first client, I want you to raise your rate to $2,750, 2750 right? Okay. I'm going to get my second client at 2750 Great. You got your second client, get your third client at $30 an hour. Right. And so just raise your prices incrementally with each client, because as your experience grows, as your confidence grows, you're going to be able to communicate that rate on discovery calls. And when you talk to people about it and say, Nope, I know with confidence, I can charge this much. And once you've incrementally raise your rate up to $35 an hour and somebody's like, oh, I can only pay 25 It's a lot easier to be like, nope, I don't, I, nope, I can't do it for that. I'm sorry. You know? And so uh yeah, that that's one of my uh, something that I feel like can help a lot of people.
0: No, I think that's really good. And I think it's it will naturally probably happen too. Like you're that's been my experience anyway. I've done website development for people and I did like the first one was like a hundred dollars for a whole yeah. website. And I just didn't understand. And to, over time, it's like, no, it's went up, 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 because yeah. you just start realizing like, this is like, this is valuable to them. And you oh, just yeah. start to feel more confident in your abilities and your skills and all of that to where it's probably going to naturally increase. But I think that's, I think that it eases some of that fear too. It's just kind of giving them permission to number one charge because they don't want to be putting in effort for nothing. They're, they need to make mm-hmm. money if they're trying to stay home. Um, but also that it's okay to start out lower if they feel like they need to, and they'll just, they'll just increase it with time. Yeah. Um, I just think money is such a, like a weird thing with the online space. It just really stops so many people from charging for a course or charge, like they just can't, they're like, okay, $47. It's like, no, you can charge more. Yeah. And just like seeing the value of what it is versus what it is Mm -hmm. Um, meaning like, you know, it's just a course, but no, what was that course going to teach them?
1: Exactly. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I just think it's a big, a big thing.
1: Well, and you, you know, you think of like a physical product, well, a physical product has like what it actually costs to do, right? Like, so it actually costs, a dollar to create this t-shirt or whatever it may be. Right. Um, But then obviously we're going to put a markup on it because we need to make some profit. But then all of a sudden, if that t-shirt is signed by, you know, I don't know why am I thinking? like Aerosmith <laughs> like, like I'm just like if it's signed by something like the value crazy increases right and did the cost of that product increase well no it didn't but there's something else that made it made it valuable and your time and experience and effort and the end product of what you can deliver the pain point that you can relieve for somebody even though you're like oh well this took me 30 minutes to do. And 10 years later, it still only takes me 30 minutes to do. Well, that's fine. The amount of time it took you to do doesn't matter as much as what is that pain point? What is the value of all the experience that you have going into this? Right. And so, um, just really considering that whenever you, you know, go about your rates and, and I do, I recommend talking to other people in the, business world. Um, Not always just other people, like friends and family, because they won't understand. They're like, you're going to charge $40 for what? And no, talk to other business owners um, because they will will challenge you to set good rates. I think those are such good points
0: because we You know, most of us don't like pay attention to how much a shirt really costs to make. And we don't question that it's whatever amount of money we don't question that. And I think that if, when we start seeing it like that, it's like the value, what do we put value on? And sometimes it's like the same, it's still a shirt, but like one shirt's 20 bucks and one's $200 Mm -hmm. and people out there, you know, you may be sitting in a place where you're like, I am not paying $200 and somebody else is saying only 200 bucks. For that shirt, like it's just about finding the people that are willing to pay for that service too and that value it. And like you said, the time that was a big one for me when I first started doing VA work is this was like in 2020 um, that I was like, but it only takes me this long to do this. And I was like, I, can't, I feel terrible charging this amount of money. And it's like I had to understand that. I'm removing the stress from their mind of trying to figure it out. They're saving so many hours YouTubing and whatever, trying to get to, the, to figure it out on their own. And they're allowed to do other things in their business yes. instead of doing the thing that I'm doing. So not like letting go of the, um, yeah, it, putting it with the amount of time it took you to do the thing. Right. So, okay, so um, if people are interested in learning about doing this, if they wanna start a VA business, where can they go to learn more about that from you?
1: So we have a amazing checklists. Um, like I was saying, what are those first through few things, the things I talked about choosing your services and rate and all of that are included at the top of our checklist, but we have so many things that come after that. And so you can go to the virtualsavvy.com checklist. And that checklist is your step-by-step guide on what do I do next? If I'm interested in starting my own virtual assistant business, we also have a few links in that document to additional trainings on marketing, some tools, um, some different resources for you. So that would be the best first place to start. It's what I wish I had when I started my business. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And, uh, where can people find you online if they want to connect with you and learn more about you? As you said, your website, the virtual savvy, yep.
1: the virtual I hang out on Instagram quite a bit over at, at the virtual savvy. We also have a giant Facebook community over 65,000 members. And that is the VA savvies S A V V I E S V A Savvy's community. Uh, You can find us there. Join the group. I was talking about that community. That is one of the most amazing, encouraging, supportive communities. If you post that you are nervous about your rates, trust me, tons of people will come in and tell you how worthy you are to be charging what you should be charging in there. So uh, that is definitely a place that you should hang out as well.
0: Yeah, I think community is really important when you're doing online business, just like you said, to just have people to bounce ideas off of, to have them tell you like, nope, that's not the going rate. Just because a lot of times we feel like we're kind of launching out on our own, like we're Mm -hmm. isolated being by yourself with just your kids. So talking to other adults who are doing the same thing is just really, really important. Um, Thank you so much for talking with me today. I know that the people that are listening are going to be coming to check you out because there are so many women who... If anything, they can use being a VA as a transition to just allow them to be home with their kids. Yeah. And until they can figure out kind of if they want to do something else, if they want to start another kind of business or whatever, it's a great, or they could do it forever. Who knows? Um, so thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Mama with the Calling podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes for today's episode at mamawithacalling.com slash podcast. Really quick before you head out, Until next time, keep pursuing your calling.